Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Craig Bowlerjack coming up here momentarily, so make sure and stay tuned for that. We'll get Bowler's thoughts on what's going on with this Utah Jazz team as, you know, things don't get a whole lot easier with Oklahoma City coming up tomorrow night. No, not at all. So we'll see if the Jazz can bounce back. You know, it'd be, it would be something different at least to have them win and then have them lose and then have them win and have them lose as opposed to having them win five in a row and then lose five in a row. Been streaky. It's, it, it certainly has. Uh, it certainly has been an issue. All right, let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone. Get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us live from Oklahoma City, the television voice of the Utah Jazz, our good friend Craig Bowler. Jack, what's up, Bowler? Hey, Jake. Gordon, how are you? I miss being in the studio. It's been too long. Yeah, we miss you, Bowler. Uh, but we hope you're well. Hope uh, the travels are are good and all that. Got a question for you right off the top. Let's go. Let's do it. Bowler, are the Jazz tough mentally and physically? Oh, that's a great question. I think after what you saw last night, the answer would probably would tip to the other side of the no. Uh, I think Toronto is a tough team, and they showed it last night. Very physical. Uh, they got physical with several players, and especially a Rudy Gobert, who I thought tried to fight back in his own way, and both were ejected. OG Ananobi and Rudy Gobert is really kind of an interesting call, to be honest. But uh, as Rudy knows or stated in his postgame, um, you know, he'll have to do more to actually get his money's worth next time. But, you know, I think he has to cool down a little bit over this situation. But I think instead of being emotional versus physical or two different subjects here, guys, you can be all emotional all you want, but you have to go out, hold your ground. You have to fight. You have to on a nightly, minute-by-minute basis. And especially against the top-tiered teams, especially against the defending world champions, uh, especially against a Pascal Siakam who continues to try to prove to the rest of the league that his level of play is as equal as that of, a, of, of Kawhi, who up and left that team after winning a championship. So, you know, every team that the Jazz run across, um, they, everyone, everyone has their own battle, right? Everyone has a chip on their shoulder, or should. And I think the Jazz should themselves because we know the Gobert story. 27th felt underappreciated and the draft number wasn't as high as he thought he should be. Okay. Uh, Joe, uh, junior high school teacher, if I'm not mistaken, told him he wouldn't make the boomers on the national team. And he did. And beyond everyone's got a story. So you have to stand up to it every night. And I thought last night there were night, there were moments and times too many that the jazz uh, did not react to the physical play of what Toronto gave them. And remember, uh, they're playing on their home floor, and maybe the Jazz have forgotten that. They've lost five of six. That's the concerning part at home. Home is where you should have the confidence and a bully attitude, and that seems to have been lost of late. You know what? I was talking about this on the postgame uh, with Ben Anderson last night, Bowler. Isn't it weird with this Jazz team where all those, you know, 
other circumstantial things they usually work for or against you, you know, playing at home or playing teams without their best players or playing teams on the second night of a back-to-back or in the case of last night, the second night of a back-to-back and the end of a five-game road trip for Toronto, those things have not really mattered in these Jazz games. They they lost to Houston when they didn't have any of their players with, uh, and Eric Gordon, remember, had a good night. Then they beat the Rockets in Houston with all their guys. It's weird that those things haven't mattered with this Jazz team. Well, and also lost to Boston at home a uh, week prior to going to Boston. And yeah, Hayward yep. didn't play in Jalen Brown, but uh, Kemba was back and Tatum played. Uh, but the Jazz just seemed to be in a totally different mindset uh, during that that uh, road trip, you know, and peeled off another five straight wins. And then you come home thinking some of these issues have been put to bed. Look, the season is clicking, ticking, however you want to put it down. Uh, you know, the Jazz have played 64 games, so 18 remain. And you really can't talk about, well, we're still trying to find – uh, our, our confidence, or we're still trying to find uh, continuity. You know, that's long past. And the teams who really make a splash in the playoffs use this time now to gain the momentum. And also, coaches begin to kind of whittle down their rotations and understand who will play and who won't, except in emergency, uh, foul, injury situations. So uh, it's been one of the wildest roller coaster rides I've been involved in in my 15 years of highs and lows, the 19 of 20 wins, and then the only team ever in NBA history to go 04, 05, 04, or 50, 04, 4-0, and now the, the, the one prior to the 50. I mean, it's just it, it, there's been very few, if any, wins in between all those ups and downs, the losses and, and the win streaks. It's really a bizarre season. It really is. And, yeah, they've blended some players into this, this, this group. But I think when we look back on it, it took much longer than expected. Granted, uh, Conley missed, you know, 17 or so games uh, with the hamstring off and on. And the Jazz had to play on without him and then reintegrated him back into the system. But um, it, it'll be interesting you know, when it comes down to playoff time, where the Jazz finally stand? Uh, are they a home court team, or will they? Could they climb? You know, through all the turmoil and troubles up to a three? Could you fall to a six? Um, it's yet to be determined, and I can't predict it. I really can't. Well, Rudy Gobert gets four attempts in thirty-one and a half minutes played. Is that good defense, or is that ineffective offense? I think it's game planning at its best. Uh, I think we're seeing it more and more. The shots are coming much more difficult for Gobert. And what I mean by that is drawing him out of the paint, uh, defending the three-point line or up at the free-throw line. So uh, he has to hustle back on offense, uh, and he's running. I don't know if he really gets set. Uh, You start to force the ball to Gobert. That equals turnovers. And we've seen that as well when the Jazz struggle. When they find him open at the rim, he's nearly automatic. I mean, come on, 70% from the floor is astronomical in this league. But those those plays are, are right on top of the rim. And remember, the ball has to be placed pretty much shoulder high for him to, to complete uh, the play. When it isn't, then usually it's taken away uh, or sometimes he's fouled and, and gets to the free throw line at 60-plus percent when he's uh, at the stripe. So, yeah, that's another one that, you know, you wish that Rudy, as he continues his, his uh, 
you know, trek through the NBA? Is there a face-up jumper? Is there a hook shot? Will it come? We've seen a moment or two, but not consistency. And I think, again, as, as the season wears on, it's much easier now to game plan teams, Jake, as you know, and Gordon. Uh, they know Rudy's strengths. They know his weaknesses. They know how to bump him off the block and, and put a body into his hips and keep him off balance. Uh, they know how to crowd Donovan at the three-point line. The same with Joe. And really good defensive teams do their jobs. And I think Toronto is just an exceptional defensive team. They game-planned it very well last night and executed it perfectly. And I think they set the tempo, too, with Lowry. You know, he was kind of moaning and griping, got a call or two early. And I think, you know, just kind of his his roughneck play at the beginning of the game set the tempo. And I think Toronto just um, – they fought through fatigue. And you're right. What surprised me, I thought they'd be dead on their legs, dead dead, dead legged last night after going a lot of minutes the night before in Sacramento. In fact, most of those starters went 37, 38, 39 minutes, and they looked fresh most of the night. And that's, that's, um, that says a lot about a team playing five, five on the road and um, looking that good and that confident on the last game of a road trip. Bowler, you get a chance to uh, travel with these guys, see them a little bit, uh, get a little more access uh, off the floor. What's the vibe surrounding this team right now? Well, it kind of goes back to Ricky Rubio's comments of a year ago, never too high, never too low. And uh, maybe now the, the button ought to be pushed a little bit to say, look, it's, it's time now with 18 to play to up it, you know, up the, uh, up the intensity. Uh, you know, I know Quinn and most coaches – would never say let's not panic because that's not the mode you want your players to be in. I'm not saying to panic, but I think, again, it goes back to our original conversation about intensity, toughness, getting into it. There was a time on that road trip where the Jazz were the better team on the 50-50 balls. That's what you have to do on a nightly basis is you give yourself a second opportunity uh, with possessions and going after the real. Last night I was stunned that the Jazz, and I didn't really know it, I looked at it in the first half of the game was kind of back and forth. But the, the Jazz, it's a rare night when you get out-rebounded by 19. And the other part, you know, is that, again, Siakam and Ibaka and Lowry went 75 points on the Jazz. And if you flip it, Conley and Donovan and Bogey, 29 points on 28% shooting. I think the, the commonality here is that when the Jazz struggle, it's not just one player offensively. It seems to run through the team, and that's kind of odd to me. But, again, the defenses seem to be putting a lot of pressure on the perimeter, knowing the Jazz have two options usually, and that's rim play and three-point shot. And that's the way the league's going. There's not a lot of mid-range shots taken. Moody does when he's on the floor on occasion. Conley will and Donovan on occasion, but mostly the Jazz, you know, put up threes and play, play, uh, play at the rim. Bowler, what's the problem and the solution to that uh, rebounding disparity? Oh, man. I mean, I guess the first word that comes out, to, that comes out would be effort. Uh, you have to want to rebound. I think Jerry Sloan said it. Quinn has said it. Rebounding is a specialty. You have to have a nose, right? You have to have a hunger. You have to go for it. You can't worry about your numbers, so to speak, on the offensive end. And I, I think it's hard to find a two-way player that plays that, that tough on both ends of the floor. So my first thought would be just it's got to be an attitude, right? 
to go after the ball, whether it's defense or offensive. Uh, you want to you want to snag the ball away from your opponent and give them one and outs. And on the other end, you want to grab some offensive rebounds and give your team second chance points. And it takes effort to do both. And it takes effort to Gordon and Jake, as you know, to play both on the offensive and defensive defensive ends of the floor. And you can't take breaks, especially this time of this time of the season. Not with eighteen to play. Craig Bowlerjack is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Of course, um, <clears throat> the topic news news nationally is the coronavirus, and we saw some new media policies that uh, went into action uh, for last night's game. Bowler, we're seeing uh, conference tournaments in the NCAA uh, either um, play or are going to play without fans there or actually, in the Ivy League's case, shutting down the, uh, the tournament altogether. Um, how do you think the NBA, uh, by taking some precautions, what do you think about that, and do you think we're actually headed for maybe games without fans well it's kind of creeping closer i know when we were on the flight and we just we just arrived at the hotel about 45 minutes ago so on the bus ride and about an hour before we landed you know the beauty of you know the electronics that we have today you know and we were able to get you know emails and texts uh at 30,000 feet and the nba released their new um i guess position on media and how to interview a player and a coach. Uh, I know that, you know, boom mics are going to be at a premium uh, to keep a six to eight foot distance away from the player. And I'm not sure how tomorrow night's interview with Quinn Snyder, how I'll do that unless there's a boom mic or, you know, you set the microphone down and you stand six to eight feet away. So it's precaution uh, the funny thing is that we fly with, with our, our team, with the team, and we're very close and share the same air on the flight. Uh, but also I get they're trying just to keep space between individuals uh, to protect us all. And where it goes from here, guys, I don't know. This is uncharted territory for all of us. And uh, I think the professionals are trying to find ways – to protect people and also the investments. And these guys are obviously investments for NBA franchises. And I get that, but also for to, to protect the fans. Uh, do we go forward without, without fans in the, in the arena? That may be, I can't say, I think we'll just ride this storm out together. Uh, I'm not sure what the televised aspect of it will be. I'm finding this out kind of on an hourly and a daily basis. So I'm just doing work as I always would. And until I hear otherwise, I'm just going to go about my business as I always do. And that's, that's about all you can do. I'll have to make those adjustments in interviewing and contact with players. It'll be interesting tomorrow night to see how this plays out against the Thunder and even how OKC handles things as well because it's their arena and how they end up uh, handling the media and also the contact with the fans. So um, there's there are parameters and guidelines. It just depends on how each team, I think, reads them and decides to implement them. And I think we'll find out more tonight as these games are played and also for the Jazz tomorrow. But it's a look, I never thought in my career this would be a, a situation or even a discussion. But here we are, and uh, and everyone is everyone in the country, the world is making adjustments in their lifestyle right now. One of the most interesting aspects of that whole thing, Bowler, to me, is once this sort of uh, 
tails off a little bit, will they go back to the way it was? Or once it's lost, I wonder if it will be lost permanently. I I do too. I don't. Know. I do too. We're gonna find out, I guess. Yeah, you know, I think uh, for me personally, we've all been in this business a long time, and the interaction with players are very important, not only for the story, but I think also for us to relate the individual and the personality that the fans want to know. Others may say, no, let them have their privacy and and, and maybe the media is not needed. I disagree, uh, obviously, Uh, but we're in a new world and a new time with different attitudes towards the media. Um, But I hope that's not the case, Gordon. Uh, And when I first started, we just had walk-in access and maybe invaded, you know, and the players didn't seem to mind because that's what they grew up uh, being. The newer, younger athlete has been introduced to more of a towel cover-up uh, locker room, uh, which is something that took a generation, basically, uh, for it to, to be implemented. And now we're in another new time of if we're just going to take athletes out of the locker room, whether they're dressed or whether in uniform, and take them off to a private area and let you know 15 to 20 members of the media have a talk with them. What that does for me is lose that, that personal one-on-one time where you get the emotion of the moment, and I think fans deserve that. That cooling off period is there for a reason, and I understand that. But also that time at the locker room, the emotions are still there, and you really get to understand who that individual is and how hard he works at his craft. If we lose that, it becomes more sterile, and those answers become more common, and no one really gets to reach in and get to know that individual or pull something out. And maybe, as we always said in the business, let's go one-on-one and really go in-depth. I hope that isn't lost, but I guess time will tell. Well, over the last couple of seasons, the Jazz have come on strong at the end, but can you remember a time when with 18 games to play that you were as – I'll use the word mystified about who this Jazz team is than this season. Um, I think, honestly, my, my answer would be this is something new to me because when the Jazz won 19 of 21 and just played at the highest of levels, yes. I mean, people, you know, the, the critics would say, look, they're not playing the high-level talent. They ran through, you know, <clears throat> sub-500 teams and they did it very well. I thought they had gained a lot of confidence, and uh, then they hit a buzzsaw uh, with some highly talented teams, and I think what hurt the most that probably put doubt into a lot of people's minds was uh, the fact that it was at home, um, and it surprised me too. Uh, mistakes and still that talk of finding the continuity, I, I just didn't expect for it to take this long. But here we are, and I think you know it's, this is a well-coached team. The game plans that I've, I've witnessed and been in multiple practices and shoot-arounds have, have been spot on. It's just a matter of them going out and continuing to implement them. And yeah, I don't know if it's the all-star break hangover. Two all-stars go to Chicago, and they come back. And you know it takes time maybe to rev it back up but it's time to rev and to play as one. And that's what this team has hung their hat on for a long time, about the closeness. And I don't sense that breaking. I, I sense frustration, and I sense that the shots are there, but you've got to make them. It sounds real simple, doesn't it? 
make shots, you win. You know, you don't make shots, and you end up losing on your home floor again uh, last night by nine. And it's, and like I said, the thing that probably um, intrigues me the most is that when the Jazz struggle, it's just not one or two players offensively. It seems like that the shooting woes go all around the perimeter, and it's real difficult to get consistency from outside and even the mid-range game. If you really break it down, Jake, I think you guys, you and Ben talked about this last night, too many shots missed just at the rim, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Jazz had opportunities to, to you know, get easy buckets, and it just didn't fall. Uh, at the rim last night, strangely. And I think that's another thing. You've got to be able to finish at the rim and finish you know, strong. And that, that equates into Rudy also with the ball in his hands to take it up and finish and pop the rim and uh, with a little bit of attitude. Bowler, as always, thank you very much. Uh, oh, are you, do you guys still stay at the Haunted Hotel there in OKC? Are no, man, we moved that? off. Uh, we're okay. now at the 21C Museum. It's a I think it's a it's really an intriguing place as everybody anybody ever comes down here make a stop it's a it is a museum uh, and they've made it that way I've got artwork here in my room uh, which is you know very intriguing I could stare at it all night and still try to decipher what it really means but <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm really the right guy to, to you know judge art but um, it's an interesting place I believe it's an old Ford truck factory assembly plant. <laughs> And it's made like a bunker. I mean, this is, I think, one of the places in Oklahoma City that people can come to in case of tornadoes, bad weather, because this is rock solid concrete and steel, guys. Uh, I don't think, well, there may be a, a ghost or two walking around here, but I haven't seen him or her. Art critic and television voice of the Utah Jazz. He is Craig Bowler, Jack Bowler. Hey, you guys, look, stay healthy, all right? I don't know what's going on in our world, but just, uh, yeah, there you go. Maybe we are living in the twilight zone right now, but we'll find our way back. All right, Bowler, we'll be watching tomorrow. (laughs) All right, see you soon. Craig Bowler, Jack, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Yeah, we hope everybody stays healthy. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's an issue. In fact, we've got a statement from the Pac-12. We can get to that uh, coming up right around the corner. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll get you the latest from that and more. We'll continue to talk jazz. We'll talk some BYU as well. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. A little Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles going out uh, to a Twitter handle that uh, I don't remember. Stay Swifty requested this one for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. A little uh, vanilla, <laughs> vanilla ice for you. I remember this movie. Still better than Poseidon Adventure. Well, much better, yeah. I agree. Movie and uh, song, both. I just looked up a list online uh, of the worst Movie, songs ever written for movies. Let's see what we got here. Puff Daddy and Jimmy Page, Come With Me. Uh, I guess that was in Kashmir. Yeah, Wait. it's uh, it's like a sampling of Kashmir. It was made for what, Godzilla? Godzilla, I think. Godzilla. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that MC song. Hammer, Adam's Groove for the Adam's Family, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. Another Way to Die, Alicia Keys and Jack White. 
Let's ask Mike. Maybe he has an opinion on that. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line, lease any phone, and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. He makes the magic happen for the Pac-12 network. He is Mike Yam with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from Las Vegas. Thanks for a few minutes, Mike. How are you? Yeah, doing great. Appreciate you guys having me on. Obviously, an exciting time with the uh, the tournament about to kick up. And yes, there is a tournament that will actually take place. So that's, a, I think, a win for everyone in the league. Yeah, we just saw the release on that, Mike. And, and your thoughts, of course, coronavirus is uh, on the top of most everybody's mind. And the conference said they're going to proceed with the tournament. But much like kind of the NBA and some other sports leagues, they're going to take some precaution with interaction with players in the media and limit the uh, access to the locker room and those sorts of things. What are your thoughts on uh, what we uh, what we've seen today? Yeah, I think it's definitely a good move just in terms of limiting some of the, the exposure that's out there. Um, you know, I... I like at the end of the day, I mean, the conference has been in conversations for a couple of weeks now with the CDC just about the tournament and kind of what should be done about it. And they've decided to proceed this way. I'm glad there's a decision, but I think at the end of the day, I think we all understand sort of the situation itself is is pretty fluid. So, you know, I wouldn't be completely surprised if there was a shift over the next couple of days, depending on more data that continues to get released. Hmm. So, Mike, uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of excitement or consistent excitement for Ute basketball this year. They've been a horribly inconsistent struggle on the road and whatnot. Do they have any chance to make uh, uh, to surprise everybody in this uh, event? Yeah. You know, I think it's a good question. I was talking about this um, this morning with some folks, and I actually liked them. I was doing some prep. I was, I'm actually in a lift heading to my hotel. I just landed. So uh, I got delayed, so I got a decent amount of prep done for, for the shows in round number one. I, you know, I actually think they got a really good chance to beat Oregon State. They've been really inconsistent. But to me, the X factor is twofold. Rylan Jones, I don't know if you guys have seen that update. I haven't on his playing status. He's for, not going to play. Okay, so that obviously is going to hurt. But I actually felt like Booth Gotch is sort of the key here. Now, I think it hurts them because Oregon State's not a team that commits a lot of mistakes. They're last in the conference in terms of turnovers per game, um, which is which is a win. And I, I think that makes it difficult. But to be honest with you guys, I mean, I, I think the way Gotch has played over these last three games, there was a time earlier in the season where it's one of my favorite players in, in the conference to watch. Super athletic. We've seen flashes from him. And now all of a sudden during these last three games, he's kind of come into his own, they're able to duplicate that type of success. I think they got a chance in round number one. Now, going up against Oregon, to be honest with you guys, I feel like Oregon's probably going to win this thing if you tell me to make a pick. So, I, I don't know if I'd pick Utah or Oregon State out of round one to take out the Ducks. Mike, what's your thoughts on Larry Kruskoviak and the job he's doing at Utah? Absolutely awesome. Uh, you know, I, I felt like I was when things were kind of starting to, to get a little shaky there at some points in conference play, I remember people asking about it. I, I, I think people have a short memory if they're upset or they don't think he's doing a good job. I, I remember those first couple of years at Pac-12 Network. You know, we've been in existence for eight years now, and you know those were those were rough seasons to watch. And I remember we used to do a coaches show, and, and Larry would come on every other week. We'd alternate the coaches. And there weren't a lot of wins. And there were some coaches who were middle of the pack or, or coaches that were at the top of the league that were winning and didn't have the greatest disposition. And Larry, I remember going to a game. I went to go and see them in person at Cal. And I just wanted to thank him just because he was never difficult. And he said, oh, no reason to be difficult. He's like, we're, we're going to be at the top of the conference at some point, and it's going to be pretty soon. Sure enough, they're consistently doing better than what 
the so-called experts are are calling for at the start of the season. Now, I don't know if that would classify, um, you know, high-level success when you're beating expectations. But he's been, I think, terrific. He's put guys in the NBA over the last few years, and to me, if it, we, I've done the informal poll of our guys. Best X's and O's coach in the conference is, I think a lot of us feel like it's Larry. So to me, this is a young basketball team. I didn't expect them to really compete um, for the top of the conference or even the top five or six just based off of the youth. But they got some pieces in the fold, and that trio of Jones and Gotch and Timmy Allen is definitely going to be a good one over the next couple seasons. Do you have a favorite, Mike, for who's going to win this whole thing? Yeah, I still lean towards Oregon, but if you said to me it's Oregon or the field, I, I might lean the field. You know, I, I think Oregon's got the best chance of winning. Um, that said, guys, you know, look at the bracket. I mean, you look at the top half of the bracket where Oregon sits. I actually think it's harder um, to go through the top half than the bottom half. You know, Washington to me is the scariest team right now in the conference, and Arizona's still Arizona. And, and look, they're going to match up against USC. Like those are the teams that, you know, if Arizona beats UW and then USC to play Oregon, like to me that's pretty impressive. And if it's SC that just took out an Arizona team, that's still a tough matchup. So I look at the top half of the bracket. I think it's more difficult for Oregon to go and win. But you know, in, in I'd say Oregon, USC, I feel really good about having a chance to win. And I'm going to go UCLA just based off of the defense that they've been playing over the last you know month and a half or so. Those would be probably the top three teams that I would I would point to. How many Pac-12 teams can we expect to get in? Do you think uh, the NCAA tournament that is? Yeah, you know, I, everyone has been talking about five most of the season. Six has kind of crept into the conversation depending on what bracketologists you talk to, and then more recently, seven. I. I just think there's going to be some upsets in some other conference tournaments, which will take away some bids. So I'll I'll say I feel great about five, um, and I think more likely six. And, you know, I, I think Stanford needs a win. Um, UCLA needs to win. I think those are those two teams sitting on the bubble and just knowing that it's March and you're going to get upsets in other conferences – that's you got to just ensure some some victories on yourself to take the pressure off you on Selection Sunday. Mike, as you know, it's been sort of a weird year for college basketball in that there doesn't seem to be a, a number of dominant teams. It's anybody. It's anybody's horse race essentially. Yeah. But yeah. From, on a scale from zero to ten, ten being best, where would you rate the level of play in the Pac-12 this year? I think the play has been pretty good. Um, definitely, I mean, you can make an argument the conference is second best league in the country, um, and at worst, the third. Like, I feel great about the level of play here. The problem is, to your point, the elite team that's in this conference. You know, if if Infali Dante at, at Oregon wasn't as banged up and playing just 12 games this year, I think we're talking differently about Oregon. Let's not forget all the top 25 wins that they have so far this season. I think it's five now on the year. The only teams that have more, I think Michigan is one of those squads, and I think there's one other team. So the point is, they have the ability to play at a high level. I just think this league is so darn even that it's hard, and we've seen so many unpredictable um Matchups. I mean, guys, how about this? Like, Washington right now is the 12th seed, right? They got a net ranking of 55. That's better than some, some most of the teams that are in, in the conference itself. And they got to be in every other conference. You go to the last place team, there's no way they got a better net ranking than UW with a win like they do against Baylor. You know, they just 
young basketball team. You guys know this. You've seen this from, from Utah all season. Sometimes those guys, when they're young, they just can't close. And I think that's been the story for Washington. You look at all these single-digit losses for them, they get a couple of those. We might be talking about them as a team that's in the NCAA tournament that we feel comfortable about. The problem is they didn't win those basketball games. I, I think they're still dangerous, but to me, the level of play, when you're talking about uh, the 12th place team in this conference playing the way that Washington's playing right now, I, I, to me that screams volume of just how competitive this league is. Mike, thank you so much for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Appreciate it. Your timing's great. I'm just pulling up to the hotel, so thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. Have fun. Mike Yam from the Pac-12 Network here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I think Mike's evaluations on some of those uh, questions are a little optimistic. Good word. Very optimistic. But, hey, you know, Pac-12 Network guy, he's into it. Very high opinion of uh, of Larry Kraskoviak, obviously, and hey, the the depth of the league is is pretty good with the Pac-12. There's just there's just not a great team, and and Arizona, by the way, hasn't been great for a while, which is weird for that program, I would say. And UCLA hasn't been good for a while either, so it's almost it's almost similar to how football's been over the past few years, where you have a bunch of pretty good teams, but you don't get the attention because you don't have a great one. It's. His response to your question about Larry Kraskoviak was interesting to me because talking to a lot of people locally who have – they have some respect for what Larry does, but they also have questions about what's going on with the program. Uh, and uh, and Mike pretty much said that Larry was uh, darn near angelic. And I don't think that's the feeling locally, do you? Angelic? No, no, I don't. I don't. I don't get that feeling. No, not angelic. All right. We'll have more big show straight ahead. Thanks to Mike for jumping on with us. It is the big show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Alfonso Anderson. Are you a one shining moment guy? Do you like that montage they do every year? Oh, yeah. That little commercial fires me up a little bit. <laughs> See? Yeah, no doubt. Growing up as a basketball player, now you've always wanted to be in this spot. Here you go. You guys know you're going to be dancing. <laughs> What's going through your yep. mind? What are you going to do to try and get on one shining moment, Alfonso? <laughs> you know, just play hard every day, really. <laughs> like, I remember growing up in elementary school, the, uh, the teacher would throw it on the, the TV in class, and I was the one that was always too distracted and didn't do the schoolwork because I was watching March Madness. <laughs> For me to be here right now, I'd be in a situation. It's good, and I just got to take advantage of it, you know? Just continue to work hard until we get there, and when we get there, do what I know I can do and perform well. Yeah. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res. They leave no dirt attracting residues behind, so your carpets stay cleaner longer. Schedule your cleaning today for just $33 per room. Clean three areas and your fourth room is free. Call Zero Res for details. 
Also, uh, be listening tomorrow, Gordon. It's a Win Ticket Wednesday. Your chance to win tickets to go see Brad Paisley uh, during his Love and War tour for two, uh, 2020. He'll be with special guests Jordan Davis and Gabby Barrett They're coming to town Saturday, May 30th at the USANA Amphitheater. Tickets on sale now. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com. We talked a little bit about it with Mike Yam, but uh, the Pac-12 announcing uh, that they're going to continue on as planned with their tournament. There's some minor adjustments here, really window dressing stuff like closing the locker room and putting out more hand sanitizing stations. But I I don't think... I, I think if they canceled the tournament, I think that would be an overreaction. I think what the Ivy League is doing, and I get it, their heart's in the right place, but I don't know if that's necessary quite yet. Maybe and maybe I'm being naive, but that that is my opinion at the moment. Well, you would expect those folks to be pretty smart, wouldn't you? Uh, or do when, you think this is a financial decision, or do you think uh, that people weren't going to show up anyway? Yeah. I don't know. I I honestly don't know. I know that uh, the players were grumpy about it. Well, yeah, they really were upset because they thought they'd have a whole an opportunity the entire time. To, uh, to earn a spot into the tournament and now it's ripped away at the last second I can from an athletes from an athlete standpoint that's harsh what if you're a senior who will now never yeah, play in another game great point great point I, I you know I get it you want to maybe err on the side of safety but that you used a word that is it's, it's tricky to use in an unknown circumstance like the one we're dealing with right now but Overreaction. Uh, you said it earlier. I, I don't know. I, I, hindsight will clear this up for us. Looking back at it, if we survive. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. We still have to live life to a certain extent. I mean, there are hundreds of cases in the United States, not thousands, not yeah. tens, not tens of thousands. Uh-huh. Uh, people are are taking precaution. Is is a good thing. I mean. Be foolish not to. Uh, one one thing with this Ivy League thing, either cancel it or don't do anything. This other stuff is really window dressing to try and make people feel better. How I mean, so? What do you mean? Putting the media six to eight feet oh, away from the yeah, players. Yeah. That's not that's not doing anything. They, they, they're doing that because that's something that they can control. You know, if I, I don't see them moving the front row seats here at Vivint Smart exactly. Home Arena, for example. So if if you're going to actually – what the Ivy League has done is actually doing something about it. These other things, they're nice. They're kind of feel-goods, but it's not really doing anything. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with it. And I don't know whether to jump on board with this or not. All I know is for those who suffer with this, probably nothing is an overreaction. Those who get a severe case of it, I'll say it that way. Some people doesn't seem to affect them that much. Yeah. Other people, it affects them severely. So it's 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 crazy, man. I, I I've thought about this in the past in sort of a uh, sort of a futuristic kind of what if kind of scenario. But here we are, kind of living it. Yeah. And you just hope that this thing tamps down and that uh, smart people in the world figure out. Some sort of uh, anecdote or what's the word? Uh, vaccine? You know, I just, I'll tell you, that, that tweet earlier today got me, Jake. And radio is not linear, so I'll repeat it again. It was from somebody in Italy, and they were imploring people not to just brush this thing off like it's not important or it's not significant. 
he said, because that's what we did in my country here. And now our parents and grandparents are dying. And boy, I tell you, that hit me hard. Yeah. And nobody wants to see that happen to anyone. Whether it should absolutely curtail the act, normal activities of an entire nation, uh, I, I don't know. I don't either. And, uh, you know, there's some other people kind of making these decisions. I don't blame the NBA for for um, planning for all sorts of scenarios, which it, it would appear that they're doing. Well, it's just interesting that different people are coming to different conclusions. Some are saying, okay, roll it out there. We're doing the tournament. Uh, hundreds, uh, get thousands of people into the building. And other organizations are saying, we don't want anybody. Yeah. We're shutting the whole thing down. Who's right? Oh, I don't think we know. Wow. That's why I, I'm, I'm treading a little lightly, you know, when I say it appears to be an overreaction. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't these know are people, either. These are people I mean, that are, that what, are doing if, the best. What if we got it? How would we react to it? I mean, I, I, I don't think uh, I, I don't think anybody should be overly critical as far as using that word overreaction because this thing is a mystery to some extent. They don't they don't fully know what they're dealing with, and it's hurting people. Hmm. All right, we'll have more big show coming up. Stay tuned. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Justin Bean from Utah State. How do you guys approach this tournament with the experience that you have as maybe compared to what you did last year? This season has been a roller coaster of, of emotions, um, lots of highs and lows, as we all know. But I think this year we've definitely learned how to fight through ups and downs. So I think our poise, our patience, and our level of maturity has improved a lot from last to this year. So last year was kind of unexpected by a lot of people for us to be there, but going into this season, we knew that we were supposed to be in this situation, so definitely brings a lot of confidence. We're excited for the opportunity, man, and we just can't wait to see who we're playing on Sunday, and we're going to use this week as a, another stepping stone just to get better and get ever on the same page. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Wrapping up a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. A lot of basketball today, Gordo. And not particularly good basketball either, but a lot of basketball. A lot today. of basketball. And uh, it's at a point now where the two teams of which we are speaking specifically, the Jazz, have to turn it around against OKC on the road. And BYU will see what kind of seed they get in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they're capable of playing better than they did uh, last night, and uh, they'll sure have to in order to make the NCAA tournament presence a memorable one. Yeah, and and it has it still has that possibility for the Kooks. My opinion on that hadn't really changed after one particular game. I still think they have a chance to win a couple of games, absolutely. They're they need talented. to win at least one. They're I'm, talented. They just didn't do what they typically do in that game, and I guess you got to give St. Mary's credit for that, but BYU has to find a way to put those players in a better position to be successful. They are much better shooters than 36%. I'll tell you what, Gordon, we've got a, a Tuesday night now where the Jazz are off. We don't have any college basketball. We thought maybe we'd have a West Coast Conference final tonight with BYU, but no, 
Uh, no uh, college basketball until tomorrow with the Utes playing in the, the Pac-12 tournament, which we found out is going along as planned today, Gordon. But, God, what are you going to do with a free Tuesday night with no I, basketball? I know what you're going to do. Sleep. No, you're going to watch the Bachelor thing. Oh, no. You know, I've never watched an episode of that show. I hate not that. Once. I, I mean, look. How I do know, you know? Do you I watch thought it? that was last night. I, I, can, I, can, I hear it bleed over from my TV that's in one room into another, and I, I just have to get away from it. Drives me crazy. Well, what do you think they think uh, your your family, the rest of your family, thinks about your uh, uh, history shows, which I know you enjoy? Oh, they probably aren't interested. Yeah. I, they are a little bit. At least one's uh, real. Uh, are you are you a bachelor just... uh, show bachelorette? I can't take Austin. It. Is I that can't your take thing? The, the 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 what the mock drama. It's all so fake, and it's all great. It, it makes us. If the aliens saw that show, they'd say, "Now nah, we'll find another planet." <laughs> and yet, people really get wound up about it. I, I, I just can't. I can't go there. What's I your What's your myself. guilty pleasure television show, Austin? Uh, this is us. Really heavy family drama type oh, show. Yeah. That's kind of dra- dramatic too. Yeah, that that edges because. But at least it's not pretending same, to be real. The same members of my family who who watch The Bachelor also watch This Is Us. So but you, that's scripted. Bachelor is scripted, but they try and fake you it like it's not. It's a reality. Yeah, Bachelor is a reality show. What's your What's your guilty pleasure television show, Gordon? Oh man, uh, I don't. I don't think I have any. I just like watching good movies, sports, and uh, and documentaries, and writing columns while I'm watching all the rest, and avoiding yard work. That's the Gordon Monson story. <laughs> I not, uh, not true. I uh, I'm out there hauling you know hauling no. stuff around. <laughs> okay, you got a busy column column writing. <laughs> that was funny last night. Uh, I I I t- I, rec- I recorded the jazz game. And because I, I was out uh, with friends, and uh, came in, and some of my daughters who were at home were watching The Bachelor, in the TV uh, uh, that I usually watch sports, and I said, "Guys, I got to watch two basketball games now," you know. So I kicked everybody out, and uh, had to had to shut the door so I couldn't hear what was going on with that Bachelor crap. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Is that the only TV you have in your house? No, the, no. The but one that, that but, but, you ejected your whole no, family no, when you could have just but, gone to the other no, room? No, but the one where I was, I like to watch it is my sort of my setup in there. And I had to do it for work. Wait a minute. I was working. So, I said, hey, how do you think this house got paid for? So, I got to go to work here. I got to pick up the pick of the salt mine and go to work. So, so everybody out of the pool. So you can inconvenience your entire family because you are uncomfortable with your other television? Uh, this one's, you can see better. Oh, my gosh. But I, initially, Meaning it's huge. I, I went in and complained, and then I went out and started watching it on the other TV, but then they all came out. I do not believe that for a second. That is true. This this went from you 86 to your whole family to, oh, well, they, they wanted to. I I pouted in the other room for a minute, I didn't and then pout. they came out. I, I, I made it clear what my preference was. Uh, I'm sure you <laughs> hey, did. Man, a man's got to earn his uh, – got to pay his for work. Oh, I'm sure this you're calling. I, for I watched my I watched the jazz game on my cell phone in between <laughs> diaper changes. Yeah, I'm sure uh, I'm sure your column would have really suffered had you watched the game on a 50 inch television as opposed to a 70 inch TV. Uh, 
well, you got me there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. <laughs>